everyone, and welcome back to another installment of the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. I had the great pleasure of working with my guest today twice at Columbus Isle in 1998 and 2000. She was a GM three times before she was a GO, and her first season was in Club Med Turks and Caicos in 1997 as a scuba instructor. She became a scuba instructor to conquer her fear of the ocean after seeing the movie Jaws. She saw her first shark during her first season and conquered that fear absolutely. For her interview, she flew from Canada on her own dime to Los Angeles, in which Kevin Batt was hosting the interview session. She worked for Club Med from 1997 to 2001, and since 2007, she works for Parks Canada in the Pacific Rim National Park Reserve. Please help me give a warm welcome to the one and only from British Columbia, Crystal Bolduc. Hey, Crystal, how are you? Hi, Greg. I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and agreeing to share your story with us. My pleasure. It's a great time to reminisce. I never asked this, but do you remember me from Club Med? <laughs> I do. I do okay. remember you. Okay. I, you were. I think you were a tennis geo when I remember you. No, I wanted to be. Uh, actually, I, no, I really wanted to be a tennis geo. I think in Columbus, Iowa, well, I did two things in Columbus. I did bicycle riding and then I did snorkeling. And in 2000, I was like land sports, this and that. <laughs> but I always wished to be a tennis geo, but that's the hardest sport I think I've ever tried. You ever played tennis? Just a little bit. I'm not not big on it, but I was sure you were tennis geo. No, I, I think I had the look, you know. <laughs> Because those guys were all, were, were all tall and nicely dressed, right? <laughs> Maybe I just picked up on the fact that you wanted to be a tennis geo. I, I did. I did. I had to settle for ping pong. <laughs> Much easier. <laughs> all right. So you are from Vancouver or British, the province of British Columbia, correct? I am. Yes. Yeah. You studied computer information systems in BC. See, we all knew you were smart in Club Med. We didn't know you were that smart. Well, I did study computer information systems, but it was in 1984. So it was before personal computers. So when we had mainframes and learning COBOL and Pascal and assembler, those type of languages. So I've yeah. never learned COBOL and Pascal. So that puts you several IQ points above me. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned in your intro, you went to Clemed three times as a GM. I think a friend of yours would go to Club Med on vacation and she suggested you try it out, right? Yeah, she um, she went with her family from when she was quite young until she was an adult. And then I, I think I was in my, I might've been in my uh, late 20s and I really needed to take a vacation, but uh, I was traveling alone and I was a little nervous about that. And I really just needed to relax. And she said, just go to Club Med, go to Club Med. And I wasn't sure about it. And then I thought, well, if I just spend a week sitting on the beach and reading, that's fine. So off I went to Watuko and uh, had a great time, met really great people. Fabulous. I don't think I opened a book the whole time I was there, actually. Okay, phew, because I was getting worried here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you should be having so much fun that you never get to that book, right? No, didn't. No, we did circus and I, I think I was even in a GM show. I ha I sort of have that memory too. So. Oh really? Okay. So you you decided just to try to try it all then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I met. There was about three or four other single people that had come, 
and for different reasons. And um, we all just sort of latched on to each other and just had like the best time together. And I've, I've been friends with them ever since. Because so. I was going to ask you, your your first one as a GM was Huatulco, right? Yep. Yeah. And was that a family village then? I don't really remember. I, to be honest with you, I didn't know much about Club Med when I went. So I I seem to think there was a lot of lot of like craziness going on, but that maybe that's just what that's what uh, I experienced. I mean, we were up all night dancing and singing, and it was a great time. Great time. Now, they, did they stick you with a with a roommate when you when you traveled to these places? I was very lucky because I don't That's think a- the village was full, and I ended up with my own room. So okay. very very. I, I thought you were. I thought you were going to say you were very luck, lucky because you did not have the roommate from hell. Because you know we've all seen <laughs> that before. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, I have some like stories I can't repeat here, like taking someone to the room in Turks. You know, like yeah, finding the roommate uh, already there and various states of undress and stuff. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I was just curious as a solo traveler, but that yeah, but you really got lucky if they placed you in your own room that's that's amazing yeah I think because most of the people that I had met had like paid for their own room and I I didn't and I uh I just lucked out so good it's great yeah as the, the Aussies say good on ya all right <laughs> now we mentioned the movie Jaws now I think you're not alone I think everyone who saw this movie was was terrified of just going even in a lake even though sharks don't live in lakes so <laughs> so congrats to spielberg and everyone who you know yeah. made, made everyone afraid <laughs> so that's a normal you know totally normal fear right i mean come on every i think everyone has that 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 fear but you decided to go a step further and get certified in, in scuba uh, around what 26 years old yeah yeah that's about it was about 26 when I re- it was 13 when I saw Jaws and I was around 26 when I thought this is ridiculous because I lived on the ocean and so went and took a scuba class and I was nervous and then the first first session in the water I got in the water and put my head underwater and that was it like I I didn't want to come out the instructor said oh wow you're afraid of the water and it was just it was like love it Love it. First dive, boy. There's a there's a different sensation under the water. I don't know what it is, but um, I felt completely safe. And uh, I know you mentioned in the introduction that I saw my first shark on my first season, but I actually saw my first shark when I was on as a GM at Turks and Caicos before I became a GO. So. Oh, and you still wanted to do it. Yeah, I saw 30 year. I was it was my 30th birthday, actually. Um, and I went out on an excursion from Turks and Caicos and, and, uh, with Fifi and, uh, we went out and, um, he put his hand up on his head like shark. And I was, uh, I was <laughs> all again, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. When you put your hand up on your head, yeah. with your thumb on your forehead, indicating oh, no. shark. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that it, like, I was trying to pretend I was you, like, did you know like since you were doing maybe resort course, did so do they teach you with above all that first sign with that one? Oh yeah, I knew oh, what okay. he meant, and I was looking, and I thought, okay, I'm going to see it, I'm going to see it finally, and then I saw a reef shark, and 
and it was it was a, a completely different experience and was no longer afraid of them at all I still I still don't even to this day I'm not a big surface like being on the surface of the water where I live is a big surfing community we're like the cat the cold water surfing capital and I haven't picked up surfing I'm not I'm not big on being on the surface of the water so but you remember now Fifi that name rings a bell so uh, again you were in Turks as a GM do you remember what year this was well I would have been 30 I'm I'm going to age myself. I don't care. No, 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 no. So you could say 90s. <laughs> you don't have to say the exact year. 30 because, would uh, be like, what? Uh, sorry, would be that nine, that yeah, that, mid-90s. Mid-90s. Was he, what was it, 94? Do you think? Because I was there in 94. I'm wondering if we crossed paths. That was my first season. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be weird if we crossed paths that, in 94? Yeah, that would be very, it would be, it would have been 95, though. Okay, so Fifi was a scuba instructor. No, he was running his excursions like out to oh. West Caicos. Oh, that's right. Okay, it's coming back. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, did you and when you became a geo and, and worked there, you know, three three more times, was he still there? Like, was oh he yeah, still there in ninety seven. Okay, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Well, let's get to that. So, how did you go from? Is it then when you got certified as instructor that you thought about Club Med or someone suggested you apply to Club Med? Well, I, uh, I knew I wanted to change my life. So I kind of, I had been on a dive trip to Grenada and the fellows there had said to me, why don't you become an instructor and come down and work here? And I was, I, you know, I was in my thirties. So like it, part of me was like, oh, I have to have an RSP. I have to have a home. You know, I can't run away and join the circus, so to speak. And and then the other part of me was like, oh, you don't want to be 60 and regret that you didn't do something. So I came home from that trip and just went full gangbusters trying to get my instructor. I found a really good instructor in Vancouver. And I I was concerned also because I was a woman and whether I could do it. And he's told me that if he had more female instructors, he would hire more female instructors because they make really good teachers. And so I just did it. And when I, the, as soon as I passed my exams, I started to send out my resume and uh, I sent it to a whole bunch of different places in the Caribbean and to Club Med and Club Med was the only one that got back to me. <laughs> um, and they gave me a choice to either wait till they had interviews in Vancouver, which was like another six or seven months down the line, or I could come to LA on my own dime and interview. And at that point I had like, let, I had left my job. I had packed up everything and I was staying at friend's house because I really wanted to go. So I made the decision and paid for the ticket and flew down to LA for the day and came back. And the rest is history. Was it at Universal Studios? I don't the, think so. Nothing? I think it was at a hotel. It was okay. Must be what was a hotel. And uh, and Kevin Bat was there or organizing the interview. He didn't necessarily do your interview, but he was there, right? He led the sort of group interview. And, okay. Yeah. All right. I was the only one interviewing for Scuba there, and I had my one-on-one -on -one with a, a woman, I believe. Um, her name was Lisa, and I've heard that she was kind of 
she's famous in the club med scuba world so i don't I'm not positive oh lisa henson um, i i don't know her? i don't okay well it might have been that was my um my first boss because like, i was scuba gestion my first season in turks 94 and she mm-hmm. yeah she was already well known for scuba she was the chief of scuba then went on i'm curious yeah it could be it could be her i think hmm. uh interesting interesting and then about how long after the interview did they did you wait to see where you were going well i got back from the interview and i was like oh i don't think i'm you know i'm i don't think i'm club med geo material and uh they called me i think it was like three or four days later and said could you be in the turks and caicos in in a, um they gave me like a week and a half notice and wow. uh, it's pretty yeah good. it was quick yeah and i'm like absolutely because i packed everything up and i was ready to go but i it was only a three-month contract so i thought hmm, i could i can do anything for three months you know and uh and because uh, I still was, I was hesitant because I was older and I didn't think of myself as sort of a raw, raw um, party person, right? More of a conversationalist than a party person. So that's what my hesitancy lied. And were um, you he- hesitant about doing crazy signs six times a day too? No, I was actually oh, looking forward to sort of... <laughs> They want me to do what? <laughs> I was all ready for the dancing. I was like, get me in a show. I Because I love to dance as a kid, right? And here I am, a 30-year-old who hasn't danced forever. And uh, I was I was ready for it. That I told them in the interview that I'm quite happy to be in shows. I actually really liked the shows. I preferred the shows to more of the spontaneous stuff. Like, was that? There was that game or group of seven or team of seven. Oh, gang, gang of eight. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) I didn't like the sort of impromptu stuff and the karaoke and things like that. So I much preferred sort of something that was choreographed. And you, so you're at this season that we've had so many people from this uh, ex-geos from this season on. This is the Turks and Caicos uh, '97 with Kevin Bad and Hammer as the chief of sport and Flower as chief of scuba. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. But you yeah, probably, it was... since it was your first season, you didn't know what you were walking into, right? No, not at all. Um, no one told me about the time change when it started. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I was late an hour um, for my first day with Flower. Yeah. So this is the one where Club Med artificially changes the time by an hour, right? Like inside yeah. to give them an hour more daylight. I think that was the reason. Yep. Yeah. But so you're I missed able to the... have two two New Year's Eves then, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one told me about that. I think. I didn't quite understand how long the hours were going to be. They were long because we would be up like like six thirty seven to get um, the the bread and stuff in the kitchen to the boat and try to get something for breakfast for us and then get to the boat, go out to the boat for two dives, sometimes get back at one, but usually between noon and one, and then try and get something to eat and try to lie down for half an hour before lessons or, or you took the the afternoon boat out at two o'clock 
and then you were sort of usually finished cleaning up and everything like five, five thirty. And you take a little break. Sometimes we took it at the deco. Uh, we called it the deco um, area behind the laundry room. And uh, and then you were back on at seven, like signing people up for scuba and then doing crazy signs around the bar before dinner and then dinner and then crazy signs after dinner and then the show and then crazy signs after the show. And then and then then there would be rehearsals for the next show. So, yeah, you you're and sometimes staff meetings at midnight. So, yeah, it was like probably a six to one day yeah you mentioned the the laundry room crystal so here's what we discovered during your pre-interview so i was there in 94 scuba gestion and i'm going to say this because the statute of limitations has far run out on this story so it, it doesn't really matter so when i was there there was a, a scuba geo i won't i won't call him out but he had his, the key for the uh, washing machine so you wouldn't have to pay and this was passed down from scuba geo to scuba geo and so i was really happy to hear that almost three years later by the time you get there this this key is still there right yeah i was it was kind of an odd thing i won't name the scuba geo that passed it down to me but uh yeah they were leaving for the season and they came over and like passed this key down to me and it allowed you to actually do your laundry and not have to wait in line because i think there was only like one washer and one dryer for all of the geos in the geo building and then so you could use the ones that the guests use because you had a key and didn't have to pay. That's right. Wow. All right. Good. I'm glad. And I did pass it down to someone else as well. Okay. Who shall be nameless. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Don't even try, guys. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. I have to hear this. So much happened this season. Uh, you, you told me a story, which I still found hard to believe. Can you tell, please tell me how you got a frog in your scuba tank, please? Yes, well, um, this goes to, you know, you learn to teach um, people when you're teaching scuba is if your air tastes like anything, not to breathe off of it. But uh, I had a resort class in the afternoon and in the ocean. So it takes quite a bit to get six beginners all suited up and out to the ocean and in the water and then put our regulators in and uh, I put mine in and I, my air in my tank just was terrible. I'd never experienced that before. And I'm like, uh oh. And then so I go and I try everyone else's air and it's all fine. And I'm like, I'm not getting these people out. I'll just do it. And so I, I taught the class in the water and then we finished the class and I came up and I went to the compressor fella and I said, my air in the tank was really bad. And so he took it off. And he came back and he had this little rag in his hand. And he says, I'm not sure you want to see what was in the tank. And then he opened it up and it was a frog. And it was completely preserved and flat from the pressure of the air. But I guess it had jumped in when they had the valves off for inspection. And um, it didn't get caught to get out before they sealed up the tank and put the air in. Um yeah, the one in a million shot for that frog, you know, to land in the worst spot ever. You know? <laughs> like, poor guy. I, <laughs> I go, I always do this when there's accidents. I think about how the person is feeling at the time and that, that frog jumps in that tank and then it gets sealed and then this air comes in and I just can't imagine how it felt. 
but it was a it was a it was a quick one. He passed very quickly, guys. So don't worry about it. Don't send me angry emails, okay? <laughs> it was very fast. Okay. He's probably gonna get eaten by a shark anyway, guys. So this was better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you also learned a very important lesson. I don't know who who taught you, or I guess it was a seasoned geo who told you never lay down ever without setting your alarm. Yes, I learned that quickly because I would go into my room and just oh I'm just gonna like I sit on the side of the bed and just lean back and I'm just gonna close my eyes for a second and you're asleep like immediately and uh, I was late and after that I'm like wow I can't sit down without putting an alarm on that's uh even for a second it's just you're you're tired a lot yeah I, I, when my first season on the scuba team, I was an instructor, but I, I was tired, you know, I was so tired one morning and I, I still remember this to this day. I was going to brush my hair. I was so tired. You normally, when you get close to your eyes, the normal reaction is to blink, right? It's if you put your hand, you know, really fast to your, your eyes, you should blink. I kind of put the brush right into my eyeball and mm-hmm. I didn't blink. So nothing stopped me from doing it. That's how tired it was. I remember this, my first season, I literally brushed my eyeball (laughs) because my eyelid was so tired it wouldn't close (laughs) so yeah i i that is very good advice i did you have two alarms later on because i always went with two alarms in case one one you know failed me did you ever do that later on in clement i was pretty good with one i know some people that should have had two alarms that's for sure (laughs) i did a lot I did a lot of waking people up. I was also nicknamed Mama Scuba, right? So I looked looked after getting people up in the morning sometimes. And yeah, well, you never did it with a pail of water like some of. Some no, of them, I did right? not. Okay, you had your own scuba kind of. You had kind words and like, okay, guy, okay, yeah, come on, come on Gooch. If I don't know if Gooch <laughs> was Gooch there that season. Is this the season you guys met? Yes. Yes, okay. that's the first season that I worked with him. He's the one that told me that I would really like Columbus Isle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, was you were you a recipient of any of the uh, scuba pranks? Because as a first season and you're on the scuba team, no one pranks harder than those guys. So did you uh, see any participate in any? Um, I think I might have had some food, uh, like some cheese squished into my the netting on my tank a couple times, possibly. I participated in numerous scuba cakes that we would do for birthdays and things like that. It was usually to the the geos, right? The instructors or other geos that were on the boat and it was their birthday. We would do the scuba cakes where we'd make them kneel. Actually, it was mostly on the dock that we would do this. They'd kneel on the dock and then you'd say, okay, what do you need for us for a cake to make a cake? Well, you need some eggs. And then we smash some eggs on their head and then you need some flour and we pour like a cup of flour on it and uh so a variety of things go on their head and then you put them in the water and uh, they are become fish food so yeah it was it was pretty funny (laughs) and being a scuba joe in turks and caicos uh, there was a certain uh, mammal floating around there named jojo now i know he likes to you know, play around and when you're doing a resort course or scuba course, you know, people are clearing their masks. He likes to come by and bump the mask and the person panics. So did you have any encounters with uh, this Jojo? Yeah, I had a few. 
I can remember the one where it involves Gooch too. So we were doing a class. I was teaching the class. He was a dive master and we got the group out into the ocean, probably in about thigh level water. And I saw a shadow kind of move around and there's always a moment where you're like, oh, what's that? And then I'm like, realize, oh, it's Jojo. So we tell the people not to worry about it. It's a dolphin. And but the one thing not to to not do is to touch it, right? Like you don't want to touch him because he's he is a wild animal, even though he's pretty domesticated. But um, so fine. He swam around the class while we were doing everything. And then we all get down on our knees underwater and doing I'm going around from student to student doing exercises and I get to one woman and I'm holding her BC um, while she clears her mask and Jojo comes over and like goes upside down so his head is on the bottom and his tail is up top and let's just say he had he was in a state of excitement right beside her (laughs) and yes Yes. And if you're a guy in that scuba class, it's very emasculating. Okay. All right. So yeah, I've had the pleasure or displeasure of seeing that one time before myself, uh, a little one-on-one there. So yeah, you never forget that it's burned into my brain. And of course, no one did anything to cause this, right? Like he just happened to be that time of day, I'm guessing, right? No. And then like I had just said, don't touch him, right? So I couldn't even push him away or anything like that. So I just let him be. And the student came up to me afterwards and asked if there was any sort of meaning behind it or anything like that. Like, mm, no, he just... <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what okay. she was yeah. thinking. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you want to hear right now. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, well, probably the reason you don't touch him, and I, I saw, I know why, because I was watching a scuba class. I was snorkeling one day just outside the shack and what people do is by mistake, they put their hand over the blowhole, which is what you're never, ever supposed to do on a dolphin that, you know, that's how they breathe. Right. So, and um, they have such razor sharp, small teeth. I used to play around with them that I asked Dean, Dean, the, I don't know if he was there, the marine biologist, I used to swim with him. I said, every time I go to pet him, he opens his mouth. Is he going to bite me? He goes, oh, no, 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 Greg. He's just playing. He goes, if he wanted to bite you, you would never, ever see it coming. And, and he's right. It's that fast. When, <laughs> if they decide to bite you, yeah, you're not going to get out of the way. in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He was certainly, I, I remember, you know, people coming up and saying, when is Jojo come by? When is Jojo come by? <laughs> and it kind of used to be one of our things. And I think someone, what they ended up doing was building like a, a, a wooden replica on a stick. And so we would do passages of Jojo going through the water along the beach. So like you get a scuba person and with the Jojo on a stick and like go down the beach. So you could say like uh Jojo was coming by at three o'clock or something like that, you know? Yeah. That, that question is right up there with my favorite. When is it going to stop raining? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if you work in Turks, you get both of them. You get when's it going to stop raining and when are we going to see Jojo? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you, Gooch mentioned Columbus. So it turns out you go to Columbus uh, next season, October 97, July 98. Columbus Isles is where we meet for the first time. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Or uh, Chief of Village, Xavier Corn, and you meet the one and only Jean-Paul Morales as your school instructor. So nice. did uh, Columbus live up to the hype? 
It absolutely did. And so did John Paul too. <laughs> True. He is yeah, he's at he's absolutely my favorite person from Club Med. And I like now I vacation at Columbus usually every year except for COVID. And John Paul is still there. And he's like, I would say 60% of the reason I go back there. Yeah. And Columbus itself, well, the, well, the other, maybe I'd say 50% is Jean Paul. The other 50% is the diving because it is spectacular. And Gooch was right. He said, I, he, I would love the diving and I would like the feel of the village, which I did. Um, Cause I went back for, I spent a year that time. And then I went back for another year there with Jean Paul. Because at the time, Jean-Paul sort of went from Columbus. He did a year in Columbus. Then he would go do a year in Tahiti uh, and Morea and then come back to Columbus. Um, I wanted to go to Morea with him, but uh, you had to have your, um, and I probably pronounced this incorrectly, but Volvo d'Etat, which is like your French sports certificate. Yes. Um, So I could never go as a, a scuba instructor. I even tried to go as a scuba gestion because I wanted to go there so bad. No, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like the village, the, I mean, the village was calmer. It was mostly um, divers or um, honeymooners and couples, um, lots of Europeans. So- yes, no singles whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I spent two and a half years there. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter, okay? Okay. <laughs> But the people you met, I met so many. Oh, oh no, no. Yeah, it's the only place I would call home. Like I spent two and a half years there and I loved every second. No, it's the only place other than Canada. I, I would call home. You know, you're right. Like, you know, and uh, and if, other than John Paul, there's like Hansel Voss too and all the Islanders, yeah. the locals. And and of course, uh, you know, Hammerheads. And I, I believe, I think it wasn't too long after you, you saw like a school of Hammerheads uh, there, didn't you? And, and I never even saw a school, but you, it was just after you got there that you saw this? Yeah, I always say that I never lost the boat except for one time. And that was, I had a brand new group of resort divers. They were doing their very first dive in the ocean. So in Columbus, you did the second lesson in off the boat. So we just finished our exercises on the hang bar at 15 feet. And then we dropped down to the sand at about 30 feet, 35 feet finished our exercises and I turned my head and I started to see a hammerhead and then I started counting and I lost count after 17 and I'm trying to point these shark they they swam right past us and we we followed them and the other instructors that were teaching and out there all saw them too and I believe someone counted 22 so I'm not sure if that's the right number but when we finished the dive, I did not know where the boat was and we had to come to the surface and go back on the surface, but I figured they forgive me for that. So, well, yeah, that's like I said, I, I never saw, I saw maybe one, you know, the occasional one, not a, not a school of them it must be very impressive. Mm-hmm. They, they're my favorite shark. I have one tattooed on the back of my shoulder now, which I did long after club med, but um, I had a, I had a pretty close encounter with a, a hammerhead on a dive and I wrote a short story about it at one time, but I, I had been doing, I did a personal dive with one of the boat captains there, Floyd in, I don't know if you remember Floyd. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. He's still there. When I was there, 
Oh, really? Uh, when I was there just this year in, in oh, uh, wow. June, okay. Okay. June, we realized that he was Floyd from, from this and he didn't really remember me, but I certainly remembered him. So I remember all of them. I remember Pedro and Clay. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember Arno. I remember all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Floyd doesn't remember the dive either. I think he's blacked it out of his uh, okay. memory <laughs> because we went down to, um, uh, like we were looking for hammerhead and we saw one coming up towards us and, and it was swimming towards us. And then I looked around for him and he was long gone. And uh, I was all by myself and the, the shark was coming closer and closer and closer. And I'm like, we're about at 80 feet. And I'm like, this is odd that it's coming this close. And it was getting very close. And I thought, what have I heard about sharks and how to get out of, and I, something they grab from underneath and then bite down. So you're supposed to get up against something. So I moved up against the wall behind me and the shark came and I raised my hand to get it out of the way. And at that point, the eye was like a foot in front of me. Like I could see the eye of the hammerhead shark. And then when I raised my arm, my ascent alarm went off and it, the shark took off into the blue. So when I got back on the boat, I looked at Floyd and I'm like, what, what happened? He says, Oh, too close, too close. Yeah. I thought you're supposed to charge a, charge a hammerhead because since the eyes are on the ends, they have a blind spot in the middle. So that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, okay. I think every situation might be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just have to swim faster than the slowest swimmer. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm right. kidding. And this is the, the season you also, I mean, cause you were pretty, pretty, I guess, strict person about logging dives. So you figured this must've been your thousandth log dive, right? At Columbus? I know it was at Columbus. I'm not sure when, because I remember the actual 1005. Yes. I, I listened to Nick Margellis's uh, podcast with you and he mentioned me and I had to laugh. I'm, and John Paul laughs at me all the time because I do still record my dives and I did have my 1000th in Columbus and we did a special dive for that and drank a, well, Jean-Paul brought out a bottle of champagne to drink and we like, we we went to drink it, drink it at the safety stop and he gave it, gave it and nothing was coming out. And I gave it back to him and then we get back on the boat. He says, Crystal, you're supposed to blow into it. And then it, it, it then will empty into your mouth. Like someone needed to tell me that before. <laughs> I've never <laughs> drunk anything underwater before. <laughs> it's not, it's no, it's hard, right? I mean, the first time I, I, I had seawater in my mouth the first time I tried, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I don't know about pressure. <laughs> drink, drink. I am, I am drinking the whole ocean here. What am I supposed yeah. to do? Someone help me. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. So after Columbus, we find you back in Turks and Caicos with Chiba Village Momo, uh, December 98 to May 1999. And I think you're Chiba Scuba Zandre Lacroix. Yeah. It was a very, it was a very American season that season. I, I think Gooch was back there again too. So I, there was, and yeah, there was, I think that was the season with I just, I sort of remember it being very American. There's a lot of American instructors on the team. And uh, 
Johnny. I think you. Oh, Johnny you Scuba? John. Yeah, he was on oh. that one too. Okay, awesome. Nice. Yeah. I don't have a lot of memories from that season. Well, you did Turks three times and they probably all blend in with one another, right? I'm sure at some point. Yeah. Like, same with me at Columbus. I did it three times and I'll be talking to someone and they'll correct me. So it, it comes with the territory. But uh, there is a the St. Lucia season you did after this I'd like to talk about. So you go to St. Lucia from May to November 99. And one of the reasons because your chief of sport is Saber, Saber from mm. Morocco. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious how you two got along because I met Saber in Columbus and I thought he was hilarious. So uh, how was he as a chief of sports? Yeah, I, I don't know why, but I always get a smile on my face when I think of Saber. I just I, he was always a lot of fun and uh, and very kind. He's a very kind, man. That's what I remember about him. Yeah, he was pretty um, funny on the mic. And I think he was funny yeah. when, even when he wasn't trying to be funny. He's one of those guys. I, you know? I always think of him as dancing. Like I get my my memories yes. of him are dancing. He's always dancing. Yes. And he, like I told you before, he always found a way, no matter what the show to, to like I said, if the, the choreographer gave him instructions like, okay, you're going to cross the stage here, turn, he would be like, no, no, I'm going to leap somersault, do a pas de bourree with a ball <laughs> chain, and then I'm going to hit my spots. That's what I liked about him. He was always like, he just didn't do it to do it. He was going to make it his own. <laughs> That's what I remember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and yeah. uh St. Lucia, did you get to windsurf at all? Did you learn? I know it's a pretty advanced windsurfing spot there. You know, you take the shuttle from the village. I didn't really. I I worked a lot of that one. I was uh assistant chief of scuba there. I did a lot of translation because I spoke French and English and our team was primarily French and our so we would go to government meetings in St. Lucia too. And uh, I do some translation for the for the chief of scuba. Yeah, it was an interesting season just with boats and and just because I think that's the one place where Club Med was just um, one one place on that island. That island was huge, right? And yeah, I, I liked I had, I had friends outside of the club. And uh, Joyeux and his wife were good friends. Joyeux too. was there. Oh my God! I did my first season yeah. with him too. Yeah, he, uh, brought they brought the boats from the um, famous story. They brought the boats from Saint Lucia with two hundred tanks for us Turks and Caicos to scrape sand and then repaint. <laughs> That's where Joyeux. <laughs> yeah, then he became my roommate at one point. <laughs> uh, what did yeah. you think of the dr- uh, drift diving in Saint Lucia? I loved it. It took a bit to get used to, but it was, uh, it was exciting. It could be really exciting. Yeah. It was a very different type of diving too, right? Cause it was, it's volcanic. So the topography underwater is pretty much down. Like it, it's like a straight slope down. And so not lots of like, not the kind of rock formations and things that you would see at Columbus or in Turks and Caicos, but, uh, tons of sponges and everything was pretty healthy because it wasn't a national park too so um you'd you'd find the odd garbage underwater but uh overall it was pretty healthy yeah but what a spot above the water like you're diving at the base oh. of Les de piton right yeah yeah and they souffrier and oh my goodness it was a beautiful place very beautiful yeah no you can't get more beautiful than that i always thought that like for dive spot wise like ab- above the water i thought doesn't get any better than this 
Did not like to do snorkeling there though, because well, the boat rides out to the dive spots and the snorkeling spots was really long and hot. And it just, uh, so when you're diving, you're in the water, but when you're snorkeling, you were pretty much on the boat with um, watching people, right? Oh, I just, oh. I found snorkeling pretty like. Oh, I wasn't aware that that was part of the uh, the gig. Like I we, thought if I, you were scuba, you were scuba, but it looks like you had to moonlight there sometimes, no? Every once in a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So after St. Lucia, we find ourselves again in Columbus, me and you, for the, uh, the <laughs> 99 Y2K. Yes, Crystal and I survived Y2K. <laughs> to tell about it. We have uh, Philippe Fournier. So, so I'm going to ask you, I might have asked you before, but so this is my third time at Columbus, but I found something a bit different. I found there was just a crazy amount of nice, good people and lots of talent. Did, did you think this season was special at all? I, I, I know we talked about this a bit. I just, I find that all of my seasons had a different flavor to it, but I can't, they sort of blend into each other. So I had a great time in Columbus all the time, the whole time I was there, both, well, four seasons that I spent there. So I wouldn't say one over the other. Well, this is the uh, season we had Vincent Benazi, the chief of sport, and we had Angie Boucher, right? So they were two yeah. like promo, promo chief of villages. And of course, Jean-Paul Morales is, is there as chief of scuba. Once I think... More. And I see, it's funny, Vincent, I think of like this big hair. He had lots yes. of hair. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, it was going everywhere. <laughs> it was almost like an Afro, almost, but straight, I straight hair. Yeah. I, don't know how he, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> Maybe lots of yeah. moose. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> he used to get me every, I think once or twice I helped him on stage. Like he would he would introduce the show and also what the activities for the next day in French. And I would do it in English. They had me do that a couple of times. I wasn't super comfortable about that. And I'm not sure. I know what you talked about that, but I'm not yeah. sure why. Yeah. This, I don't remember at all. Like I, I remember so much from that season, except, uh, except for this part, like what the heck was I doing? Okay. <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I definitely maybe I was, maybe I was doing... in the show. As in the show, maybe that's my only way oh, I'm, I'm blanking on this, but uh, mm -hmm. the, the winter season, that winter season was kind of quiet. I wouldn't say we were always full, but, uh, and, you know, it got cold there a bit as it does in the Bahamas in the winter, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. a warmer, warmer than Montreal in the winter. Well, and they did do that Crested Butte um, opening too in Columbus where um, okay. they they had all the VIP people come for a week at the. Well, yeah, tell me about that because this happened, I think, right after I, I had left for Australia. So I think, yeah, you stayed almost till the end, and uh, so it was some kind of special, like week long event. Yeah, I guess, and they, it was to celebrate the opening of Crested Butte that was happening, the ski village in in the North America zone, and I know that the choreographer had to put a show together, and it had like penguins in it. Because I remember, I don't know if you remember Leo, who was on the scuba team from Brazil. Yeah. Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. He was dressed like a penguin. I do remember that. And 
myself and another girl, they put us in these like big, huge tutu dresses that were all lit up. Like they, we had a battery pack on and we like, we didn't really do much dancing. We just kind of stood there, but they, we lit up. Right. And yeah, sort of, it was kind of this crazy, crazy show that they choreographed just for this week. And, but uh, yeah. Do, do you remember, you must remember the whole Y2K thing. Like I remember it vividly. Do you remember people running around freaking out? Do you not remember it? I don't really remember any sort of major freak out about it. I mean, nothing happened, of course, but, you know, I, even I was, I didn't think anything would, but I was, I was so intrigued that GMs were literally flying out that day when, you know, zero, zero. And I'm like, are you sure you're going to be okay? (laughs) We're asking the odd GM, are you sure you want to fly on this thing? I'm sure it's nothing though. And of course it was a much ado about nothing, nothing happened whatsoever. Yeah. No, I did honestly. Maybe there was, I don't remember anything. Okay. Now, okay. So we come up to your last season, Turks and Caicos, November 2000 and March 2001. This time you're with a guy from Montreal that people seem to know and like. Hello, Handel Duplessis. And this, I guess, is your your last season. Now, does this season of Turks, it it still blends in with the others, right? Like, um, or do you recall this one? Pretty much. I had, I like, I had thought I was going to be finished in Columbus after that last season, but I got asked if I would come back to Turks and Caicos for one more season, just to sort of anchor the team to be the mama scuba, I think. Right. And so that was sort of my, my position there. Can I just, I'm sorry, Crystal, can I just interject? I never once thought of you that way. I don't know. Is this only the scuba team did? You you never came across that way to me at all, you know? Uh, like, I, like I, I, I wouldn't say you were closing down the disco every night, but I, you know, I thought you're just like everyone else, you know, like I never got that. Yeah, I definitely was like the older geo there, I think. I still had fun. I, you know, like I, I loved to do crazy signs and I love the shows and that. I'm not a big drinker. never was. And oh. so we never saw you at the riding rock on reggae night on Wednesdays. I'd go for a pina colada. Oh, okay. Nice. They made the best pina colada there. Right? They did. They did. <laughs> and of course they <laughs> ride the walk back, you know, and with the yeah. whole no lights thing. Okay. <laughs> That's part of the adventure. You walk past an air off across an airstrip in the dark. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. I was with Jay Ty there that season. Of course, he he talked about the story that I forgot about on the uh, about oh, jumping yeah. jumping jumping the fence. Yeah, he he uh, he was overserved as he as he said, and uh, yeah, he took a bit of a tumble. <laughs> uh, oh, I remember Jay. Yeah, yeah, great guy, great Canadian guy. Shout out Jay Ty. Yeah. <laughs> He's a friend Lots of the of, podcast. Yeah, I, I listened to his too. And Makiko too. You, you've um, interviewed quite a number of people I worked with. And it's really lovely to hear their voices. Well, I'm glad you're joining the Scuba family on this podcast. Yeah. Well, here's a part I like to ask the geos like, 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 Crystal, who did you like working with? It could be anyone, literally a chief of village, a chief of spot. It doesn't, ha- doesn't matter. Like, who did you? We know, we know you like John Paul and so did I. I'm like, I'm a big fan of John Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than John Paul, is there anyone else you liked working with? Well, I I would like pretty much everyone on on the team, the scuba teams that I worked with. Um, everyone had different personalities, and I I like it. 
I'm thinking of well, Nick and Veronica, of course, they're they're sort of go down as uh, I work with them in a, a couple of seasons at Turks and Caicos and in Columbus. Um, Akiko, there was a, a bartender Barbie that I she was from Vancouver too. Really like we we still communicate over Facebook, of course, and. Yeah, oh, I saw, so- I saw, I saw her movie. Just kidding. Great, <laughs> great movie, by the way. You should check it out. Okay. <laughs> sorry, uh-huh. sorry, you, you set me up. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just everyone that I worked with was really, really lovely, and uh, even the Gooch. Yeah, he's. I visited him. I was down in, uh, I don't know, Fort Lauderdale number of years ago to visit my family in the states and and we met up and um had a couple drinks and talked about old times and uh he was a good friend of mine i think he's kind of a iconic uh scuba geo yeah iconic american scuba geo okay i think he he'll take that that's (laughs) I wish someone would say that about me. <laughs> I never use the word iconic though, but hey, it's okay. <laughs> There's lots of Fran- of the French scuba geos too, right? Rage- Regis and oh my goodness, I couldn't even begin to s- start on on them. But uh, I see um, Regis is uh, still he's got a dive company in Tahiti now, and, uh, teaching technical diving. So. Nice. Now you mentioned you still go to Club Med, like you go to Columbus Isle, but is there, is there, has enough time passed that there's things that you miss about it? Is there just one thing or three things you miss about Club Med now, nowadays? I think maybe just there is a sort of a family um, feeling. I mean, we all have our our true families, right? But it's a, it's a, it's an experience that I think that um, you don't get anywhere else. And I think if young, younger people are thinking about doing it, I think I say go right ahead and do it because it's um, you're meeting people from all over the world, different languages. It just it it opens your eyes to different life experiences um, of people, the people that have different life experiences. And uh, yeah, it's something you won't forget. That's for sure. I sort yeah. of remember being on the sideline, on the side stage, just before going on for Halloween, that show Halloween. Love that show. I had a pumpkin on my head. Okay. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, the people at home will never believe this. <laughs> and there are, there are some people at home that don't believe my stories from Club Med. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you, you you did have to be there. So that's one thing we had, you know, we, we shared, right? Like we have, like you said, we have our family, but only those people, the ones that we worked with for six months a year would really understand, you know, what we went through, correct? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it is a, for sure something that sort of, yeah, it's an experience that it's hard to explain to someone. Yes. Okay, nice. Do you have time for one more question, Crystal? Sure. So sure. I was just cu- I was curious. You worked for Clubhead from about ninety seven to two thousand one. So, and having done that, like I consider 
this my my exciting adventurous time you know of of my life you know that's the job that was so i'm guessing that like me you're you're glad you you did it like you're glad you went to that interview and you you glad you went to your first season like you don't you don't sound like you regret anything right absolutely not i I'm very glad I did it. Uh, I initially was only for three months, but I ended up four years there. It's an experience that I love to talk about to people too. Um, and it is sort of my adventurous thing. Before I did that, I you know I'd been in my job for 12 years, I think, and I always had all my ducks in a row. And and it was it was um, not like me to leave everything and go off and run join the circus so to speak and I kind of I it tickles me that I did it and uh, I had good experiences for sure met people yeah met people that I'll never forget too yeah same same and even though they're all around the world at least we can still stay in touch I know a lot of people have like group chats on Facebook from certain seasons and whatnot and like you're lucky you, you get to go see John Paul Morales every year I'd love to do that <laughs> and Hansel Moss they're both in the same resort I know I know I didn't I didn't see him Hansel this year but I um did okay. see him the last time I was there but uh, oh, I am friends friends with him on Facebook that's the other thing when it's your birthday you get happy birthdays from all over the world because that's of where right <laughs> yeah it's true right <laughs> see facebook is not all bad guys okay that's right <laughs> it does do some good sometimes <laughs> well crystal i can't tell you enough how much i loved having you on i'm glad you said yes i you know again i always get worried when i ask someone because i get a lot of no's as you as i've told you so i'm so glad you said yes to this oh well it was my pleasure i'm surprised you get no's because i I yeah, like I, an, awful, an, an awful lot. Yeah. So uh, I make mm-hmm. the joke, like I get so much rejection. It's like, I'm back at club med, but <laughs> you know, um, okay. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh I, 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 I'm glad you did because you know, it, uh, it also, what I hear a lot is the people that might've lost contact with you are going to get to hear your voice again. And that, that's one comment I always like hearing, like they always say, it's so, uh, so good to hear Crystal's voice again. You know, so that's a good thing about a podcast, you know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it was like it was yeah i can say that about some that i've listened to for sure okay well now you're gonna be one of them oh it's lovely (laughs) well everyone that so oh sorry crystal i didn't mean to cut you off sorry no i was just gonna say i appreciate your time it was fun well thank you and i appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to me today and so everyone could share your story thank you well everyone that was the one and only crystal bolduc and again, we we thank her for coming on the show. But uh, Crystal, here's the part where we say thank you and goodbye to everyone listening. Take it away. Uh, au, au revoir. Goodbye. Au revoir. <laughs> Bye. See you next week.